Chapter Twenty Three of Lincoln, the Lawyer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lincoln, the Lawyer by Frederick Trevor Hill. Chapter Twenty Three Law in the Debate. Lincoln had been practicing on the Eighth Circuit for five years when the bill to repeal the Missouri Compromise was introduced in Congress, 1854, and during that time he had devoted himself exclusively to the duties of his profession. It is not possible to obtain an accurate record of the number of cases he tried during those five years, for his name was not always entered on the dockets when he acted as counsel for other lawyers, but we know that he argued at least forty appeals in the Supreme Court within that period, and the records of the various county seats and the testimony of his contemporaries go far to demonstrate that no other lawyer on the circuit and probably none in the state had anything like the number and variety of cases which he conducted between eighteen forty nine and eighteen fifty four it was during the last named year that the bill was introduced authorizing congress to organize kansas and nebraska as territories and to this bill an amendment was added repealing the missouri compromise act by which slavery was prohibited in the proposed new territories lincoln was attending court on the circuit when this news reached him and judge dickey one of his fellow practitioners who was sharing his room in the local tavern at the time reports that lincoln sat on the edge of his bed and discussed the political situation far into the night at last dickey fell asleep but when he awoke in the morning lincoln was sitting up in bed deeply absorbed in thought i tell you dicky he observed as though continuing the argument of the previous evening this nation cannot exist half slave and half free this is probably the first time lincoln ever used the phrase which was destined to become so famous in later years and shortly afterward he made his first direct answer to one of douglas's speeches supporting the missouri compromise repeal and the great duel of debate began to say that the general public was surprised by the force and effectiveness of lincoln's attack is to put the matter very mildly it was fairly astonished and the most amazed man in the community was probably judge douglas himself he had been absorbed with his duties in the united states senate for the past seven years and lincoln hard at work with court duties had virtually disappeared from his view he had known him as a local practitioner an effective stump speaker and country attorney but he was not prepared for the logical lawyer-like arraignment to which he found himself subjected and after two more encounters with this new antagonist he called a truce proposing that neither he nor lincoln should make any more speeches during the rest of the fall campaign to this lincoln assented returning to his law practice and thus ended the first skirmish of what was destined to be one of the most notable debates of history lincoln kept steadily at his court work until the fall of that year when he decided that to do effective service in the campaign against the extension of slavery he would have to re-enter politics and being nominated for the illinois assembly he made the necessary canvass and was elected by a great majority in november eighteen fifty four he had no sooner taken office however than he resigned to become a candidate for the united states senatorship but his selection was frustrated by a combination among the local politicians and lyman trumbull another member of the bar obtained a majority of the votes this was in february eighteen fifty five 
and lincoln immediately resumed his duties on the circuit during this and the following year he argued and won the mclean county case for the illinois central prepared and appeared in the mccormick reaper action argued no less than thirteen appeals in the court of last resort and otherwise spent the most active year and a half in his entire professional career under this daily training in the courts his immense latent powers steadily developed his mind expanded and his confidence increased and it was undoubtedly the leader of the illinois bar who addressed the convention at bloomington on may twenty ninth eighteen fifty six the speech which he delivered on that occasion was lost to the world because he held the audience so spellbound that even the reporters forgot their duties and neglected to take notes but those who heard it spread the tidings that a new champion had entered the political arena equipped to do battle with all comers but lincoln did not feel himself fully prepared and when the first republican convention was held at philadelphia a few weeks later the news that he had received one hundred and ten votes for vice-president reached him while he was engaged in trial work at urbana it can't be me they are voting for was his smiling comment there's another great man of the same name somewhere in massachusetts it's probably him important events followed in quick succession but lincoln stuck steadily to his court duties fremont and dayton were nominated by the republicans against buchanan and breckinridge but except for making a number of speeches for fremont in the fall lincoln's professional life went on uninterruptedly then buchanan was elected and shortly after his inauguration the supreme court announced its decision in the dred scott case which instead of smothering the fires of anti-slavery agitation added fuel to the flames which burst out in every part of the country meanwhile lincoln continued active in the courts gaining greater reputation with every term and rapidly rounding into shape from eighteen fifty six to eighteen fifty eight his name appears fifteen times in the illinois appellate reports and within the same period he tried the celebrated wyant murder case in bloomington his leadership of the bar was everywhere acknowledged and he was in the midst of the most active professional duties when he was nominated by the illinois republicans to succeed douglas whose term in the senate was just expiring as on other occasions when he stood confronted by opportunity the man responded to the power within him and he accepted the great task which lay before him with calmness and quiet confidence his opponent had the prestige of eleven years senatorial experience he was recognized as one of the best debaters in the upper house and acknowledged as a national leader of marvelous personal charm the ideal of his home constituents and the probable presidential candidate of the national democracy lincoln did not underestimate his abilities but he had taken his measure in their previous tilt and he did not hesitate to challenge him to debate the issues of the campaign mr lincoln is a very amiable gentleman was douglas's first reply but later he yielded to the pressure of his friends and accepted the challenge from the moment of collision it was evident that a great struggle was imminent and despite the applause and flattery of his supporters douglas must have known in his heart of hearts that he had at last met his match brilliant and resourceful as he was in popular appeal his dexterity with the weapons of debate was more than offset by lincoln's better knowledge of law and his greater familiarity with legal argument and the contest hinged largely upon the effect of the dred scott case as decided by the supreme court 
dred scott it will be remembered was a negro whose missouri master after a short residence in illinois had moved into what was then wisconsin territory now minnesota with the slave and after living there for a time had returned to missouri and sold him scott thereupon sued in a missouri court to establish his freedom claiming that his residence in the free state of illinois and the free territory of wisconsin had emancipated him the first local court sustained his contention but the decision was reversed on appeal he was then sold to a man in new york and began another suit in the federal courts of st louis which promptly ruled against him the case was then appealed to the united states supreme court at washington where the plaintiff was represented by montgomery blair and george tickner curtis and the defendant by reverdy johnson whom lincoln had hoped to meet in the mccormick case and after two elaborate hearings scott was declared a slave by a divided vote of the judges two of whom wrote dissenting opinions this decision of the highest tribunal in the country was expected to settle the slavery issue for it decreed protection to slave owners in the enjoyment of their property wherever situated as a constitutional right lincoln however promptly challenged the authority of any court to dispose of a great national issue such as the slavery question and early in the debate with douglas he forced the discussion of this subject to the fore in the field of argumentative statement mr webster at the time of his death had no rival in america says mr boutwell but he has left nothing more exact explicit and convincing than this extract from lincoln's first speech in the great debate if any man choose to enslave another no third man shall be allowed to object which embodies the substance of the opinion of the supreme court of the united states in the dred scott case douglas instantly responded by declaring that those who resisted the finding of the court were traitors fomenting revolution and intimated that his adversary's duty as a lawyer was to uphold the law and discountenance resistance to its decrees but lincoln's reply was so calm fair dignified and professionally correct that it not only put his accuser completely in the wrong but placed his opposition on a high and perfectly legal plane we believe as much as judge douglas perhaps more in obedience to and respect for the judicial department of the government he asserted but we think the dred scott decision is erroneous we know the court that made it has often overruled its own decisions and we shall do what we can to have it overrule this we offer no resistance to it if this important decision had been made by the unanimous concurrence of the judges and without any apparent partisan bias and in accordance with legal public expectation and the steady practice of the departments throughout our history and had been in no part based on assumed historical facts which are not really true or if wanting in some of these it had been before the court more than once and had there been affirmed and reaffirmed through a course of years it then might be perhaps would be factious nay even revolutionary not to acquiesce in it as a precedent but when as is true we find it wanting in all these claims to the public confidence it is not resistance it is not factious it is not even disrespectful to treat it as not having yet quite established a settled doctrine for the country if douglas had been permitted to choose his weapons he would doubtless have avoided all legal controversy with his trained opponent but the situation did not admit of silence 
and he was forced to discuss the meaning and effect of the supreme court's decision with a master of logic well versed in the maxims and principles of constitutional law the effect of this was speedily apparent at the outset of the campaign his victory over lincoln had seemed an absolute certainty but as time wore on the result began to be questioned and each meeting with his rival left the outcome in greater doubt finally he decided to carry the war into the enemy's country and in an evil moment he propounded a series of questions intended to confuse and embarrass his adversary had he remembered lincoln's searching interpolation of the polk administration in the spot resolutions he might have hesitated in his attempt to bait the ablest cross-examiner in the state but apparently he did not perceive the opening which he gave to his opponent i will answer these interrogatories announced lincoln when he received the seven questions intended to entrap him upon condition that he judge douglas will answer questions for me not exceeding the same number i give him an opportunity to respond no reply came from his adversary and the vast audience at freeport waited the outcome with a breathless interest which the keen jury lawyer instantly interpreted the judge remained silent continued lincoln impressively i now say i will answer his interrogatories whether he answers mine or not but after i have done so i shall propound mine to him another breathless pause greeted this resistless challenge and then the speaker began reading douglas's questions no lawyer who examines them can fail to see that they were so loosely worded as to admit of a negative answer in every instance rendering them utterly ineffective and lincoln disposed of them in this manner but having shown that he could in this way technically defeat his opponent's object he instantly waived the form of the questions and replied to them one after the other as fairly and frankly as anyone could desire and having done so he propounded four counter-questions which proved to be the most fatal cross-examination or counter-questioning in history all the inquiries were adroit but it was the second which displayed lincoln as a master of interrogation can the people of the united states territory he asked in any lawful way against the wish of any citizen of the united states exclude slavery from its limits prior to the formation of a state constitution the answer to this question required douglas to interpret the dred scott decision if he replied in the negative the people of illinois would repudiate him because they would not countenance the idea that the mischief had been done and that slavery had already been forced upon the territories if on the other hand he answered that the territories were still free to choose or reject slavery he would have to explain away the dred scott decision which guaranteed protection to slave property in the territories as a constitutional right and this would displease the southern democracy which was then listening to his every word to determine whether he was or was not a safe presidential candidate the republican politicians of illinois were not so astute as douglas still they foresaw that he would give a plausible answer to the question which would satisfy the local voters and they begged lincoln to withdraw the inquiry but the far-sighted lawyer who framed it was deaf to their entreaties then you will never be senator was the angry warning of one of his advisers if douglas answers responded lincoln calmly he will never be president 
the fatal question was therefore left as lincoln had phrased it and at the first opportunity douglas answered it by stating that the territories were still free agents they could exclude slavery despite the dred scott decision he explained simply by adopting local police regulations so hostile to slavery that no slave owner could enjoy his property within their boundaries as soon as he had uttered it douglas must have seen that his answer involved a gross blunder in law but if he had any doubt on the matter lincoln speedily dispelled it how could the constitutional right of the peaceful enjoyment of slave property guaranteed in the dred scott case be cancelled by police or any other hostile legislation he demanded any such ordinance or law would be contrary to the constitution and absolutely void either judge douglas's answer or the doctrine of the supreme court was bad law for the one was inconsistent with the other but illogical as it was this fallacy caught the popular fancy and douglas seeing that it satisfied his constituents held to it and was elected to the senate nevertheless as lincoln anticipated his blunder in law cost him the presidency and not long afterward judah benjamin one of the most ardent and able representatives of the south arraigned him as a renegade and traitor we accuse him for this he thundered that having bargained with us upon a point upon which we were at issue that it should be considered a judicial point that he would abide the decision that he would not act under the decision and consider it a doctrine of the party that having said that to us here in the senate he went home and under the stress of a local election his knees gave way his whole person trembled his adversary stood upon principle and was beaten and lo he is the candidate of a mighty party for the presidency of the united states the senator from illinois faltered he got the prize for which he faltered but the grand prize of his ambition to-day slips from his grasp because of his faltering in his former contest and his success in the canvass for the senate purchased for an ignoble price has cost him the loss of the presidency of the united states thus two years after lincoln's question was put and answered douglas was repudiated by his southern friends the democratic party split three candidates instead of one were nominated against the republicans and the lawyer whose skill had precipitated this result was triumphantly elected at the polls End of chapter 23